Look in the Word of God in Mark chapter 5 and stand with us, please. We'll read the Scripture tonight in Mark chapter number 5. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thy Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thy torment me not. He said unto him, Come out of the man, thy unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine, that we may enter uh, into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There they were about two thousand, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. They went out to see what it was that was done. They, came, they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. They began to pray him to depart out of their coast. When he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. May we pray. Lord, we thank you for the precious word of God. Thank you for this opportunity to preach. Lord, you know what we need tonight. And I pray you'd give me strength, Lord, and wisdom and understanding. Help me to be a blessing, to be a help to your people. I pray, God, that you'd meet the need of every heart tonight. Bless your word to our hearing, and may we be recipients of the word of God and take it into our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'll talk to you about uh, the effects of the new creation tonight. Now, Jesus is going over into the country of the Gadarenes. Anybody that's been to Israel, when they take you down to the Dead Sea, anyway, the area the way we went in, they will show you the cliffs on the other side of the sea there, the mountains, and they point out that's the country of Gadara. There's where this demon-possessed man was, out, was at, uh, dwelling there in the tombs. The tombs were... Uh, about 20 feet square, and, and they were cut out of the limestone cliffs uh, there. And this man was possessed with a legion of devils, which would be about 6,000 devils. A Roman legion was 6,000 men. And this man was possessed 
with these devils. And uh, the Lord cast them out of the man and they enter the swine. They enter these pigs and 2,000 swine are drowned in the sea. Now, uh, at $35 each, that come to $70,000. And uh, that'll help you understand maybe why they, they were so upset about this. Well, in chapter 4, Jesus has come through a storm and to arrive at this country. Uh, this is an amazing story in the Bible, an amazing miracle uh, that the Lord performed. Uh, but it is a picture of the effect uh, that salvation has on an individual. The Bible said in Ephesians 4.24 that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Well, uh, salvation is a creative act of God. Uh, just as uh, uh, the book of Genesis, the earth was without form and void, and God began, he said, let there be light, and there was light, and the creation took place. And out of a void condition came forth uh, order and came forth the creation of God. And that's what happens when the Lord brings salvation to the heart of an individual. Uh, there is a difference. There is an effect of a creative act. First of all, we find there is a sanctifying effect. Now verse 15 said, They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Notice that he's clothed. You know, the word sanctify means to set apart. And uh, this man was running around naked, running around in the tombs, uh, crying and cutting himself and screaming. Uh, but here he is putting some clothes on. It has a sanctifying effect upon him. 2 Timothy 2.21, If a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You know, when we were up in Amish country, we toured one of the homes that, uh, that Amish people used to live in. Now they've kind of made a museum out of it or whatever. And they're very, very strict in their belief. Uh, so strict that uh, they don't want any buttons on their garments or uh, they have suspenders and, and latches and uh, some very, very strict things that, uh, that, that they believe in. But anyway, I'm not sure whether they believe that sanctification is a separate work of the grace of God apart from salvation or not. There are some groups that do believe that. Uh, the Bible teaches that uh, that justification or that sanctification takes place at the time of salvation, takes place really before justification. In Corinthians, he talks about it. Uh, so anyway, it is, it is a part of salvation. There's a primary sanctification that, that sets us apart as a believer. But then we as Christians are to continually be sanctified or set apart from the world. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Will be a father unto you. 
He shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So God tells us we're to be distinct and different from this world system. As Christians, we're to bear the image of Christ and we're to be different. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you're not your own. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we're God's property. We belong to the Lord. Uh, you know, the Amish, they, uh, there was a man named uh, Ama, I believe, Ama, something like that, uh, in Europe there, who broke away from the Mennonites because he didn't think they were strict enough and, and had become uh, too much connected with the world. And uh, so, uh, uh, and mainly they said in the matter of, of separation, uh, and, uh, of course, if you don't toe the line, uh, they'll shun you, you know, and, and they believe in, in, in that, that aspect and, and uh, not have anything to do with someone that, that does not live for the Lord, as they see it anyway. But, uh, uh, and there are some good things I like about their way of life, really. Uh, but anyway, he says we belong to the Lord. Now, in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I don't believe the average Christian has ever gotten that place. I know I was saved when I was a youngster. I was 10 years of old, when, 10 years of age when, when I was saved. And I was 20, around 20, I think before I made a total surrender to Christ. And I've, I've shared with you my testimony at different times. And, and uh, certainly I had no intention and, and no thoughts of entering in the ministry during that time farthest thing from my mind. Uh, and I knew nothing about the will of God, what God's will was for my life uh, at that time uh, until God really began to deal with my heart and, and I made that total surrender to Christ. I presented myself to the Lord as the Bible said, I beseech you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know what a sacrifice was? A sacrifice, when a, when a lamb was set apart to be sacrificed, that lamb was to be killed. And it's a matter, I think, of dying out to the flesh and the desires of the flesh and saying, Lord, my ambitions, my desires for me as an individual, I set aside. I yield myself to you. You can do whatever you want to with my life. I give it to you. Send me where you want to send me. Do what you want to do with my life. I'm your property. I belong to you. And when I made that decision, then God began to deal with me and let me know this is what I want you to do. And of course, typically, I decided I couldn't. First of all, I didn't think I, that was possible. I didn't think I could possibly do it. I wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do but uh, I didn't think I could, I could certainly could preach. So I rebelled against it for a period of time until I surrendered and, and God, uh, you know, God doesn't call you to do something that he won't enable you to do. That doesn't mean you can do it as well as someone else, but you can do whatever God wants you to do. And so we need to present ourselves uh, as, as a sacrifice. Now, in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, 
Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfection and wholeness in the fear of God. So God calls us to sanctification. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How does God accomplish this? Through the word of God. As we hear the word of God, as the word is preached. You know, when I, when I first got saved, there were things I didn't think was wrong that later I learned that I should not be engaged in because the Bible said don't do that. There were things I was, I was not doing that I knew I ought to be doing. And as I heard the word of God and stayed the word of God, then our lives ought to fall in line with the word of God. Uh, that's, what, that's what sanctification means and, and, and had, had accomplishes the change in our life. You know, I think the problem is that uh, the opposite uh, effect has happened. We're so much like the world uh, that, uh, that a lot of people can't tell any difference. A lot of Christians, they dress like the world. They go to the same places the world goes. They do the same things the world does. They talk like the world. They act like the world. And, and then, then we wonder many times why we don't reach people for Christ. Many years ago, there was a, a communist visited America. And when he left, they, they, they asked him his impression of America. What was his greatest impression of the United States? He said, the most amazing thing that I observed when I, while I was in this country is I could not tell the difference between one who claimed to be a Christian and one who claimed not to be a Christian. I couldn't tell any difference. Well, that was sad, isn't it? A sad testimony. I don't know, I don't know who he was looking at as that said they were Christians, but there ought to be a difference. We ought to be different. God called us, calls us to the same occasion. This man, when he gets the devils out of him, He's a changed person. He's, he puts some clothes on. Uh, and uh, it had a sanctifying effect. So, uh, not only that, but it had a satisfying effect. Also in verse 15, we have him sitting. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's clothed. A satisfying effect. I believe the things of God satisfy you. And uh, the Bible says in, in Isaiah, why do you spend money for that which satisfies not? You know, the world is uh, basically unhappy. And they're unsatisfied. You know, the Bible says knowledge would be increased and people would run to and fro. Boy, when I got in that traffic jam, I'd say, I told Carolyn, I said, take a picture of this. Nobody will believe this. Times you got a camera out and we was on, going on a little way. So down the whole kind of valley there and couldn't take a picture. But uh, I don't know. It was five, six lanes of traffic in each direction, bumper to bumper. And I wonder, where is everybody going? <laughs> trying to get home, I guess. Trying to get out of there like we were. But uh, anyway, running to and fro. Everybody, everybody's trying to get somewhere and everybody's in a hurry. Get out of my way. I had a couple ugly fellows. You know. They, uh, I mean, I, I didn't get out of their way fast enough. But, uh, you know, it's amazing. I, I think it's a revelation of the human nature, of the sin nature. If you want to see the sin nature of people come out, just get out on the highway. You think people are righteous? 
And uh, of course, let me, let me say this, that, uh, that the people we encountered uh, uh, were, were pretty nice, really. In Washington there, we, uh, you know, we didn't, when we started to leave, I didn't know which one to get on. And there was a colored lady there. She was very nice and said, now, if you want to go so-and-so, you get on this one. Get on this orange line. Don't get on another one. And that'll take you where you want to go. So we did. And it worked out. But anyway, out on the highway, the sin nature reveals itself. Get out of my way. I try to get over here. I've got to get off this exit. Try to get over here in this lane. You think people let me in? No. You're not getting in front of me. I'll run over you. Don't you stick that bumper out here. And if you drive like you're supposed to and kind of leave a space between you and the vehicle in front, someone will jump right in there. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's a challenge, isn't it? I'll tell you, that's the reason I say I know somebody was a praying. <laughs> somebody definitely was a praying uh, for safety. But, uh, but people are basically unhappy and unsatisfied. But if you have Jesus, you can be happy under any condition. You can be satisfied. And you know, it's good just to be able, you know, you get all upset and it's hard not to, not to get upset. But if you sit back and think about it and say, now, wait a minute. Is this going to help anything? <laughs> I might as well just relax and do the best I can with it. But I'm glad the Lord satisfies. He satisfies. I, I, I won't get any satisfaction out of getting drunk or are, you know, going to some of the worldly affairs that the world goes to. I wouldn't get any satisfaction out of that. Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I look forward to God, meeting with God's people and coming to church. I'm glad church is not a burden. It's not something I dread. It's something that I love and I enjoy and I look forward to. The things of God satisfies. That's what the world needs. It's, it's satisfied. I don't know where, where you saw Ralph Sexton's program this morning or not. But I really enjoyed that testimony of those young people. Been to the mission field. They were telling how they led, led other kids to Christ and the joy that came into their heart and the satisfaction that came, came to them. Uh, you know, uh, even, young people don't have to live like the world and live like the devil. I mean, they can serve God and get joy out of that. There's a joy in serving Jesus. It has a satisfying effect. And then it has a sobering effect. Notice in the same verse, the Bible said, and he's in his right mind. And in his, he's in his right mind. You know, sobering has, when a person gets drunk, they're, they're not sober, are they? Now, their mind's messed up. And it affects the mind. It affects the thinking. And so, uh, here, but you don't, you don't have to be drunk and have your mind messed up. Salvation causes you to think right. Uh, Bible said in Romans 12, 3, and, and not to think more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. You know, that, uh, that really without Jesus, we'd be nothing. So the Bible said not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. 
but to think soberly. God's way. God said if you, if you try to lift yourself up, he'll put you down. You want God to exalt you? Have a spirit of humility. And in 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So the devil wants to corrupt our mind and, and mess, mess the mind up. You know, we uh, was riding that train in, into Washington. And there was a young black girl got on the, on the, the uh, train there. And uh, she had earphones in her ear and had a CD player look like. And, and she was acting like she had swallowed a wiggle worm. Uh, you know, she, she couldn't be still. I guess she was listening to some rock music. Uh, but she was, she was twisting around and carrying on from that music she was listening to, I, I guess, anyway. But uh, I'll tell you, that's, <laughs> that stuff will poison your mind, won't it? That stuff will mess your mind up. But uh, I'm glad Jesus, Jesus uh, has a positive effect upon the mind. So uh, the man gets the devils out of him, and we find him uh, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. The Bible said they were afraid, and uh, they began to pray that he'd depart out of their coast. Well, uh, you know, they're, they're afraid of the crazy man. And, and then when the, the Lord cast the devils out of him, then they're, they're, they're afraid of the Lord. And they ask Jesus to leave and, and leave, leave their country. Well, last of all, it has a serving effect in verse 19 and 20. Uh, well, verse 18, when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He wanted to go with Jesus. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. He departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Y'all know why we're still here? For that very reason. He said, Lord, I want to go with you. You know, we'd all be better off with, if we were with Jesus tonight. But the work's down here, isn't it? The Lord says, you can't go with me now. Told the disciples, you can't go with me now, but you can come later. Basically, you can follow afterwards. And so, uh, he says, you go back and tell, tell what the Lord's done for you. And that's, that's what God wants us to do. That's what Paul done when, when, when Saul of Tarsus got saved. He went everywhere and he said, I want to tell you what happened to me on the Damascus Road. Now the Apostle Paul spoke, spoke a number of different languages. He said he spoke in tongues more than all of them. He spoke in different languages. He was a very educated man and uh, had, of course was a Pharisee and had, had position and power. But when he, when he stood before Agrippa and others, he didn't say, I want to tell you about my education. I want to tell you about how smart I am. No, he said, I want to tell you what happened to me on the Damascus Road. I want to tell you what Jesus did for me. And everywhere he went, he told what Jesus did for him. And this maniac of Gadara, boy, when he went into town, <laughs> they knew he was different, didn't they? And he began to publish and tell them how great things the Lord had done for him. And uh, the Bible says all men did marvel. And that's what we need to do. 
The Bible says that uh, uh, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Romans 6, 17 and 18, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So, there's an effect upon an individual when the creation of God takes place and we're brought to salvation. Let's bow our heads, please.